Welcome to the Roll Down Podcast, hosted live on Twitch every Tuesday night. Now, here's your hosts, Cutler and Soul! Hello everyone and welcome to the Roll Down Podcast, a TFT podcast dedicated to the Oceanic and Southeast Asian community. We've gone international now, back-to-back weeks. We have flown overseas, scoured (laughs) the lands for casters who would be interested in talking to us, and we bring back a brilliant guest this week to discuss everything going on at the moment. But before I introduce them, I will introduce my co-host, Sol. Sol, welcome to the show, as always. Great as always to be here. Guys, another fantastic episode lined up for you. And without further ado, they are Jirachi, caster arc, caster pivot, <laughs> an amazing, amazing caster. And we're really, really pleased to have you on the show. So Jirachi, Riley, welcome to the show. Oh, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our absolute pleasure. Guys, this is a React channel now. We are reacting to the latest news which is all obsolete because as of 10 minutes ago the b patch just came out so none of this really matters anymore or does it we're going to talk about it that is the biggest biggest topic of today first of all however jirachi there's been a serious pivot recently from that of challenger tft extraordinaire to challenger tft extraordinaire and caster i was wondering if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your thought process and and how you came to the decision to want to go into the the casting scene um yeah hi uh it kind of it it stemmed from i really like i i love playing the game and I, I mean, I had this, I had this whole competitive history. Like, I started playing the game in set one, um, hit challenger in set four, and then just kind of, kind of broke out from there. Like, really started at set four regionals. But this, like, this whole time, I've loved like list, loved listening to cast and had done a little bit on my own. Um, had kind of like, dro- kind of like dropped hints here and there. And I know, um, Raza actually invited me to to cast the x games tourney that existed because he had heard like hey you want heard you want to try casting so yeah sure come come cast this and so kind of like dip my toes in and then set six hit kind of realized i don't know if competing this set is for me and from me because it just didn't it just didn't fit my skill set just as a player at all but when I was I was thinking about things. I was thinking, hey, you know what? I I want to start casting. I'm also in grad school. I just started my master's last year, um, or last semester. So it's just knowing everything. I'm thinking I want I want to just start casting. I want to dive in fully. Threw up on Twitter first day of the set. Hey, I'm retiring. I'm just gonna cast. Told Risa over at Giant Slayer, like, hey, I'm not gonna compete anymore. Um, if y'all want me to cast, I will. Please, please come let me cast. And then they got me on. And it's been going really well. Like, they, they've told me, like, they're really excited with how things are going with me. So it's, 
I'd call it a good pivot so far. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to hear. Uh, look, I, you know, I want to say as someone that has listened to you in a tournament and for those of you out there that are listening to the podcast uh, audio maybe later on and, and haven't heard Jirachi speaking about the game, it is fantastic. It's absolutely brilliant. So I really recommend it and I hope that there are a significant number more casting jobs coming up for you in the future. I dropped hints that there is at least one next set, or I guess this set in 6.5. I can't leak which one it is yet, but I do have I do have another gig. You're going to hear more of my voice. Great, wonderful. Well, thank, thank God. It's, okay, I have I have gig. This is actually working. It's not just oh I like I gave up competing and I want to go do this casting thing and I got one gig and just fizzled out. No, it's actually like going somewhere. Which feels really nice. Not wonderful, gonna lie. Wonderful. Well, that's that's great news. That is really really great news. What was it about set six, in your opinion, that made you feel like it probably wasn't for you? Was it the? I mean, everybody. Well, I say everybody. Most people really love the augments. Was it the or was it was it the augments? It was was the aug it something else? Yeah. It it was the augments, and my my brain loves doing the same things over and over and over. Which is why, like, I don't always have my, like, full degen reroll mode on, but, like, I've had those phases with, like, LeBlanc and set 5 with Cavs at the start of 5.5. .5. Like, <laughs> I, will, I will hard force 2020 a comp because that is what my brain likes doing. And Augments did not really promote that. And it was just, there's so much stuff going on that my brain can't keep track of because I don't even have that much of a natural instinct for the game. Um, the way some players do. So I can't just see augments and instantly know like how things are going to interact and what like what the best play is. And when I don't 100% know that, then I have to think about it and then I get dizzy and then there's just too much going on that I can't actually like play my game and just micro the shit out of everything with like positioning. So it's it's just a little too much going on and I don't feel it it doesn't really suit my playstyle and my brain specifically. 6.5, honestly though, like at least the opening patch where everyone's like hard forcing Renata and <laughs> Sivir. I'm just you know what? I can hard force Sivir. Yeah. Hmm. Let's I know do how that. to play I know how to actually, I know how to play a vertical. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. What I've I've actually been enjoying 6.5 quite a bit more than six already like i i don't know i don't know what it is it's i i actually think it's just finding my comp that i can hard force finally that's actually like good and in the meta because i kind of found that with talon in by the end of set six but it was never like meta really so hmm. it 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 is what it is it's and to me honestly like i don't I don't even play the game because I need to hit a high rank necessarily anymore. Like, mm -hmm. yes, I could. Um, I've been telling myself it would be it would be hilarious if I made the snapshot for Innovation Cup, like made top twenty eight, <laughs> signed up for Innovation Cup, and then just declined just to say, hey. I'm not playing this shit. I'm retired. Like, still, don't worry about that. But I still fucking got it. Like, if anyone doubts what I'm talking about, like, I can fucking flex. Yeah, I can. Mm. I can still do this shit, but it doesn't look like it's happening, and that's fine. It would have been funny though. It would have definitely, would have definitely been funny. <laughs> I would say I don't funny. think you've got anything to prove. However, yeah, I think I think. I've, 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 
I've proved everything. Exactly. It's not even about. Oh, it's not even necessarily about proving anything. It's just, just, just doing it because I can. It's also. a bit of a flex. There's, I've I've put in also in the back of my mind if I have the time, like maybe over the summer, like summer break or something, when I'm off of um uni, like really sit down and grind and try and hit rank one. Just so I can, just so I can say, a fucking retired caster is better than the whole server. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh, that's great. That really is yeah. great. And look, we we have a lot to discuss, and we do not have a lot of time. I will let everybody know, those of you who are watching live, that in a short amount of time, my wonderful co-host Sol will have to go. So you will see a bit of a change up. Unfortunately, um, you will hear the beautiful incorporeal voice of Jirachi instead of uh, their camera for the back half of the episode. So uh, that is, uh, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but if you are an audio listener, you have nothing to worry about. Speaking of audio listeners, Jirachi, you are a proud member of what I, last week I called the Teamfight Talk Show Arrival podcast and Doa was really unhappy with me. So I will say another, <laughs> another <laughs> TFT podcast. Rival podcast. <laughs> We no, serve two very different functions exactly. in the scene. Like, Team Fight Talk Show is very much like a talk show format. We are, like, it's so guest-centric. Like, we're, it's just Doa and Frodan. They exist. But their goal is basically just to set up the guest. Us, it is a lot more, like, host-centric. Like, we'll have mm. guests and just... We'll, we'll have guests on the talk, but it's not necessarily about them. It's about just, like... Us just talking about the game, basically. It's two very different things. We love Team Fight Talk Show. Yes, and we do also, as well. With, with Appies having been on, all three of us have now been on that. So <laughs> it's yeah. There's there is no rivalry. No. no, no, exactly not. So we're not allowed to say rival podcast anymore. I will say fellow podcaster, Jirachi. I I want to sort of ask you a little bit about your podcast, where the idea came from, and. And how it, how you have sort of felt it's going so far? Yeah. Um, well, for the people listening who don't know, me, Spicy Appies, and Ramkev uh, host the Triforce Tactics podcast. Um, that started ha like half a year ago at this point. I looked. I was making the group chat for the next episode. I was like, oh my god, we're on episode twenty-five. We've actually been going at this for half a year. Wow. Okay. Um. So, yeah, it was, I, uh, I don't remember if it was set 5 or 5.5, but somewhere in there, I was on, I was on call with Appies on his stream because, like, he, he had, like, a subathon or something, and I gifted some number of subs for a coaching session. Fully knowing, like, hey, we're about the same <laughs> skill level. I just, <laughs> like, sure. I just, I just wanted, I wanted to just be in call with Appies just to see what would fucking happen in a quote-unquote coaching session. But it ended up just us talking about the game. And, uh, Matidi Maso, we make sure to remember his name, just randomly suggested in chat, this could be a podcast just listening to me and Appy's talk. And we saw that and we were thinking, wait a second, there is no T there, there's no TFT podcast in the space at all. Mm. Let's do it. Fuck it. And then we decided, <laughs> let's get a third. Let's get Ramkev on. Um, uh, who else? Mateo, who's one of Appy's mods um, and a really good friend of his, does all our production stuff. I 
big shout out to Mateo. Um, Triforce Tactics would not exist without him. <laughs> oh God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it it literally started from someone suggesting it in Twitch chat and us realizing we can capitalize on a lack of that specific content in the TFT space. Yeah, absolutely. And it's brilliant and it is really insightful, guys. I totally recommend it. Anyone who is interested in the competitive aspect of the game uh, to head on over there. Not Because not only is Jirachi an amazing uh, commentator, but those who have listened to the podcast before will know that someone like Appies as well is a brilliant, brilliantly insightful person and, and very, very, very good thing to um, to listen to. We so have... know so much about the game. Oh, certainly. Like, I, we, we talk a lot about, like, just raw TFT gameplay stuff. Like, oh, like, what what the patch looks like. And we'll throw in some, um, like, talking about, like, competitive results. Like, when there's a tourney weekend, the week after, oh, we'll talk about it. Um, which is usually my time to shine because I feel like those two do, like, can, like, talk about the game and on some level way more than I can. But I can talk about, like, the players and how, like, how how competitive results shake out. So it's like, we all we all kind of have our thing there. And even when I retired and I was like, I'm not hitting these, like, high ranks anymore. And they were like, we still fucking want you on. Like, you still, <laughs> you still have a lot to say and you're still a friend. I'm like, okay, sure. I'll, I'll still exist. <laughs> And that's nice and too. Do, that is nice. And I do like talking about the game also with Yeah. It wasn't obvious by <laughs> oh I'm I'm casting, I have the podcast. Um on stream I'll just I'll just like I'll, I had a week of VOD reviewing all the finalists from the set six challenger series. I just talked mm. about them. Like yep. I I love just talking about the game and talking about players. Um, fucking wrote an article. I'll self plug. I wrote an article about Setsuko that came out today on esports.gg. So I, I, I like talking about the game. So any excuse I get to do more of that, I I take it. Um, go yeah, read that I watched, article. Uh, I was gonna say I watched uh, all the vod reviews that you did for the child series. They were really good. They were very very insightful. Nice. I got, I love vod yeah, I've gotten that a lot also. Like, VOD review, it's, you learn a lot. And I've had a lot of people, like, tell me they learned a lot from the article. They learned a lot from the VOD reviews. Which also feels really nice, because I want to be a teacher for a living. So, and I kind of view those VOD review streams and even, like, that article to some extent. Like, I'm teaching people. I'm, I have, I have info. I have. I want to convey it to other people. Is that not just teaching? Um, same thing with same thing with coaching sessions. So that and that's kind of how I approach all these things. I approach it from I am an educator. I need to make I need to make this as clear as possible and just and really get this information through to someone in maybe a variety of different ways because people learn in different ways. So it's and getting the feedback that people learn a lot is kind of validating for me like wanting to be a teacher it's i'm thinking okay like pe people are learning is and they are enjoying me teaching is that not what a good teacher is <laughs> it is exactly what a good teacher is i mean i will i will speak from personal experience but i think one of the things if you remember anything about school aside from either how horrible it was because 
you were an overweight young kid in a different country who didn't really have any friends or wait what what were we talking about anyway um uh, uh, what, what, what you remember most about schooling and and things like that is the teachers because they shape they end up shaping you i think and and that is a very important aspect of, of being an educator and, and it's great to um it's great to hear from the other side i guess from someone who wants to be an educator how how validating that is yeah even as a as as someone who has obviously been through school and stuff like yeah but my especially my music teachers um because that's what i'm doing i'm in i'm in music school which is wild balancing music school and doing tft has been basically impossible but i'm trying to make it work um but like the music teachers especially like those like things i learned from them really stick and just like having and th those interactions specifically and knowing especially like my private teacher in my undergrad like having him like as a mentor more 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 even more so than a teacher but it's kind of, it's in the same vein but um that that's what sticks with me there's some things he said just not even as a teacher just person to person that like stick with me to this day and that's what i want to be to other people and what i want to be to especially other like queer other queer people like any any like baby gay students that come through that i get i'm just like okay i'm you you need someone like me in your life and i'm going to be as fucking gay <laughs> as fucking possible and just be and just be open about it and just live my best life and be be that queer a queer uh older figure uh someone needs in their life when they're young because i was missing that when i was younger so it's it, it it goes pretty deep with me and wanting to teach and that's that's brilliant i mean it, it's so refreshing to hear a, a take like that and, and it's really nice to, to have someone like you as part of our community very very appreciated very very appreciated especially in that area guys we have a topic of discussion that is all drama related does it matter because the b patch is now live Maybe, maybe not. I think it still matters. I think a lot That's of a the drama that came up is just things fundamentally about set six point five. Yeah. So I don't think the B patch necessarily make that go away. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to preface this by saying, uh, you guys, at the if you are listening to this, I will have links for all of this stuff in the description of the episode, and it will also be available down below wherever you are watching this as well. I want to start first off because this was kicked off by Soju, TFT's biggest creator. I think it's fair to say he averages 20,000 viewers a stream, tournament stream, whatever it may be, double, triple, quadruple the live broadcast a lot of the time. I think um, his understanding or, or his clout let's say if you want to put it in a, in a straight in a in a weird way speaks for itself but he posted a twit longer basically discussing his problems with the current set a lot of them as Gerardi you mentioned run deeper than just nerfing a couple of units that are too strong right now uh, and then we had two other twit longers a youtube video two hours of mord on stream 
uh, and now a B patch. So we've got a lot to dissect. I want to start with, um, I'll start with you, Sol, and I want to, I want to ask you about Soju's twit longer. Is there anything from it that you, um, like stuck out to you in particular? Mm, I'll say that as someone who, uh, briefly in my life studied game development, uh, calling a game devs lazy is a bit of a slap in the face to all the all the, all the hardworking people out there who work on the game. Um, that's probably the thing that stuck out the most to me because everything else is like you know criticism is criticism, right? But like, yeah, my main issue was the tweet was like, yeah, so do like saying calling like the devs lazy and like you know did they even like saying things like did they even try? It's like, all right, come on. <laughs> that's probably the thing that like stuck out the most to me. <laughs> yeah, and I think. Jumping forward a little bit to Mort's response on it, he uh, spent a good portion of his uh, t the time of his, of his response talking about how the people that work on this game um, do a very thankless task, basically, and especially uh, talking about uh, them in a derogatory sense, calling them lazy, calling the work that they do itself lazy was a bit of a slap in the face, and that's what makes hmm. Mort upset, realistically. Sure. Um, and I think that is totally, totally fine. Uh, the one thing I did want to bring up, and, and Jirachi, I'd love your input on this, is Mort said that they put together set 6.5 in two and a half months, or 10 weeks. They worked tirelessly for 10 weeks straight to get it out in time. Um, not to yeah. be facetious, but does the set feel like it was made in 10 weeks? I... I... Every set, I feel like, kind of like toes the line between feeling like it was kind, it was like rushed a little bit, but also like there's so much complexity mm. that it's it is kind it is a miracle it came out in ten, like it got developed in two and a half months. And I think like I think going back to like set five, where some of the some of the time constraints were pretty obvious, like oh, just um, and then go. Well, kind of like going into 5.5 as well, but they, a lot of the, I can't really speak too much on this because like game design is not my thing, but some, some of the design choices just felt like, okay, we just, we need to get something. Um, Armories kind of felt like that, although for being something that felt almost like, not, not necessarily rushed, but it's like we, this is like not a huge thing because we're saving the big thing for set six. I love armories. Please bring back armories. <laughs> um, it's. I don't. I. I don't know if I want to call set six point five. Like it feels rushed. It feels there. There's something like the any any of the pure reprints. Like just bringing back Draven. I mean, okay. It's although at the at the same time, you you consider. They, they do have short time so it's not it's pretty easy to just bring back draven that's one it's some people like draven some people wish he came back okay let's just bring him back um but they and they did create enough new things like putting alistar in and just putting his combo in as part of it's something that maybe could take like two seconds to think up of but then you consider like oh i need we need to take all this time to like implement it there's it's a weird mix of there's some things that feel like super complex and they they took a lot of time on and there's other things which are just like time saves but i know mort said in his in his youtube in the response on his stream that yeah they 
like with the rush cycle, they kind of have to just do some things like that. Um, as he mentioned the example of Big Bang Galaxy from <laughs> oh god, <laughs> okay, Which... yep. After like after hearing his reasoning, I'm like okay, I get it. Um, we're saying like okay, we don't have time to like implement this huge thing because we are so deep into set four. And he brought up like, hey, what if? How long would it take to combine treasure trove, trade sector, and what was the third one? Was super it dense. super uh, the dense? Yeah. Right? And dense, the, yes. someone responded like, that'll take like ten seconds. So they just did it. It's like okay. <laughs> They need yeah. they need something. They have the time constraint, and this is the best they can do. And it's I, on Big Bang was kind of fun. Never should have been at Worlds. We don't have time to get into yeah, that. Yeah, sure, sure, should not have been at Worlds. So yeah, for that was a that was a yeah. For, fourth for like um, for and for like Draven for like Big Bang. Considering how little time you know they put in to that. Like how how much resources it took. It's not it's not bad how it came out. So it's and but I'm changing points mid speech. I guess. Um. Yeah. Calling calling the game devs lazy is just way too far because especially when they have that ten week cycle, they are working their asses off. Um. You, you, you've we all see how like stressed Mort is sometimes. Like when when he's streaming, he just is very on edge. You know that man is like working his ass off. So it's I I have disagreements with the dev team on how like they do things and how some of their game design choices. But I will never disagree that they work hard. They work their they all work their asses off for us. Yeah, and it is for us. Mort puts himself out there for us. Mort wants to be the lightning rod of the TFT game development team for us. He does it because he doesn't want them implicated if people have complaints. They want Mort wants to feel like people can come and talk to him about the game and and he knows it as well if not better than anyone. Um I want to sort of bring up some final points from soju's twit longer and that was mostly about um getting economy augments in stage three this is something that is sort of more game specific um soju says that if you're in a lobby that has like bruiser like a lot of bruiser players a lot of silver players which is very common at the time uh, at this time at least um gold generation augments in stage three basically put you so far behind that everybody else now has two combat augments and you're essentially never going to top four the game um so your thoughts on gold generating augments specifically like stage three stage four um i think in the current state they're just not very playable because the combat augments sorry those are the econ augments are balanced around the 12 gold threshold is what mort said um, the balance around the fact that, you know, gold is compounding, um, the earlier you get a lot of gold, you know, the more valuable it is. So they're designed for if you get these at 1-4. So these currently, currently the economics are not very well balanced with the exception of like, I think, Windfall, which scales according to stage. Other ones do not scale according to stage. Uh, and this really goes into Mort's response with um, 
how a potential solution into looking into fixing this is to make it so that uh, these econ augments do scale with stage, so that even if they're offered to you at a later point in the game, you can still pick them and make use of them. Which I tend to agree with because I think that if you simply go with this, if you simply go with the fix of making it so you can't see econ augments at all past stage three, then I think that the game becomes too simplified in that all you are really doing is you're picking between a combat augment or you're picking between a trait a trait based augment or like a like a you know yeah that's pretty much it right a combat augment or trait based augment and then there's like you know there's no there's nothing else to sort of like uh change that up if that makes sense so um i don't yeah Mar Mar murray in chat first point out how you're gonna scale some of like the 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 champion based ones like the ones that just give you a lot of units um i don't have the answer uh, but you know it just just it just needs to be it does i feel like needs to be something like that in terms of scaling up the raw gold value so that you can use that money to you know uh fast eight a little earlier potentially even look for a, a level nine angle to compensate for the fact that your team uh, does not have a combat augment. Um, so as a result, you know, your team will inherently be weaker. Interesting. Yeah, I think... Soju specifically says, like, I'm at 3-3. I took, a like, a normal augment in stage 1-4, but I'm playing against people with two combat augments, and the combat augments are of a general higher quality of the in this set than previous set, which I do agree with. Um... And the, if you're then offered the choice between reasonable, like, sort of lower, sub, mid, normal tier combat augments and gold, you're never picking the gold because otherwise you fall too far behind. Drachi, I wonder what, what your thoughts are specifically about these combat augments at the moment. Do you think that they're in an okay place, too strong, are things like electrocharge... Um, you know, armor generation, attack speed for the back line, armor for the front line, back line, things like that? I think, yeah, they, the combat augment, they should be strong. They might be a little bit too much, because how I, I think of econ versus combat augments, like, if, if you're taking an econ augment and actively giving up that, that, that combat augment, that, that combat power you get on the board during the fight, that gold you get um should allow you more or less to upgrade your board um to to an equivalent level so even if that even if that's hitting your generic um your generic hex siver board on three five rather than four one that econ augment has allowed you to hit that board two turns earlier and make up for your lack of combat augment and some some of the econ augments they like e some of the some of the combat augments just feel so strong that like the econ augments just don't help, and I th it's one of the reasons I actually don't really like taking metabolic because it's it's I mean it's not a it's not an econ it's not an econ augment or a combat augment it's theoretically just saving you HP but you don't have a combat augment on your board helping you win fights or save HP. And you also don't have the gold that is going to snowball your economy and allow you to hit crazy boards a little bit sooner. So it the but overall, yeah, the combat augments. Maybe I don't even know if they necessarily need across the board nerfs. But what Soju brings up about just econ augments in stage three, they're they are never worth it right now. Even when even if they scale, I don't know if they'd be worth it because at that point. 
you're you have less of the game to snowball your econ mm-hmm. even if even if like they, they'd have they'd have to give you a lot of scaling in order for to make up for you didn't take this econ augment on one four instead and get your econ snowballing earlier um honestly it's not my call. I think they should just remove Econ Augments in Stage 3, although that probably comes with its own set of um, the, its own set of issues. Like, okay, well, what if you're if you're trying to, like, re-roll for something, and, okay, you get offered... You're trying to re-roll Warwick, you get offered True 2s. Fuck it, let's take True 2s and see if we get a Warwick out of it. We either get a Warwick 2, and we're that clo- much closer to hitting Warwick 3, or we just have more gold to hit Warwick cool um that it, it prob- probably has its own set of issues but yeah econ augments on stage one don't even feel like that much of an issue they felt i think they felt like more of an issue last set actually like rich get richer yeah was so good on stage one because yeah, like last set. the econ the the combat augments just weren't quite good enough to make up. The for combat that. augments were just a lot worse last set compared to this set. Yeah, yeah. that's probably the biggest but one. They added a lot more options for combat augments. Mm. So even even if you um, even if even if you how do I want to phrase this? Yeah, you if last set if you're you you didn't have a ton of options. It was like okay, do I want makeshift or I want cyber? Do I want Knife's Edge? Hmm. Now it's okay. We have we have plenty of options to give us AP as well. We have options to give us um give the whole team armor rather than like just do makeshift with um mm-hmm. we have pack with back foot. There's so many more options, and I don't the the combat augments don't even feel that strong on their own. They're strong because of their flexibility, not necessarily not necessarily through raw power. So if you're looking for a combat augment that really boosts your board, chances are you're going to find one. Like, I'm playing Sivir, I see back foot, I know it's a top four, automatically. Mm. Like, back foot foot on Sivir is so good. But it's... It's only only that strong because... Or the combat augments for Sivir are only that strong because there's more of them now, and that gives you more flexibility in them. Yeah, I think also that we... In set six, taking economy augments at one four or even even three three uh it was still rough in that set you weren't taking so much damage every round except that one patch where eventually you would just rotate into one random guy who would hit you for 15 every game um boards like average board strength is way stronger at the moment i think um if you have to take economy and your and your board is not good at the moment you can be 60 health pretty easily by krugs if you don't if you don't hit and especially in stage four like if you're still behind in stage four and all you got was economy augments and you didn't have you didn't hit your units when you rolled down with that extra gold you got you were never you're never going to recover because you'll just take 15 every round from uh siva 2 renata 2 aurelia 2 people with three socialite, any, any mutants, anything like that. I think at the moment the the sort of the general board power is very high. Uh, and that's uh, that's a serious issue. Um, guys, we're going to take what I would consider to be the world's quickest break, and that is actually to say goodbye to my co-host, who does have to head off now. He's got a university class to attend. 
for the rest of the episode uh, if you're listening to this you'll probably hear a cut in the audio if not it's because i'm lazy so thank you very much for joining us today uh, it's been a real pleasure and i hope that um you'll listen back to the second half of this episode uh, later on yeah really great to have been on i'm really sorry if i haven't tell you so yeah abruptly but yeah gotta go to class all right i'll see you all later bye 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 bye, and I will just fix up Jirachi. Uh, everybody on the live stream, please give me just one moment to fix this all up. For everybody. Wonderful. Oh, well, uh, while we're taking this brief interim, Jirachi, thank you very much again for being here. Yeah, of course. I, I love the podca podcast exchange program happening. The podcast exchange program, exactly. <laughs> and as always, my reminder for everybody who is listening to this live is that if you stick around after the episode is done, you will be able to hear who we have on next week's episode early, which is very exciting. Um, we did already tell Jirachi who it was, so they are very lucky in that regard so they get an early sneak preview okay we're back i'm not gonna x cross soul out he's not dead or buried he's just gone to class um i don't know about you jirachi but when i was in university i didn't go to grad school but in university i think i did not attend any classes and maybe that's why i play tft for a living i i i didn't i went to a decent number of my like just academic classes did not skip rehearsals that's the of only course. thing about music school is like, we have a lot of rehearsals <laughs> yeah so and i can't skip those but i do empathize with like oh i need to go to class like that's i came from a class straight home hopped on podcast <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely we are no strange we are no strangers to working hard around here so thank you soul once again and we're going to continue on uh, it's just going to be the two of us. It's going to be a little podcast exchange, uh, OCENA podcast exchange program. I want to continue well, on. Not the first time I came over to OCE. <laughs> no, not at all. And it certainly, I hope, will not yeah. be the last because you will always oh, be not. welcome here. I would love to get back to uh, ranking up an OCE account because that's that's also like kind of where I met everyone. When Well, I kind of followed a Nico over in set four when... I think he was, I don't even know why he came over to OCE, just something about being frustrated. He was like, fuck it. I'm just going to play on OCE now. <laughs> it was, I just, and I saw how like nice everyone was. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to play too. Cause I had met Raza already. Cause we played on a fight night together. Um, and just interacted with enough people that fuck it. I want to play with some friends and just made more friends that way. Um, I like the OCE people a lot. Oh, well, thank this you. Not like... me, this is not me pandering. This is genuinely like, I, lo I love the OCE guys. There, mm -hmm. there are times where I much prefer hanging with the OCE people than NA people. <laughs> um, it's fine. <laughs> and uh, we did pay Jirachi to say that, actually. That is uh, 100%. I, checking my PayPal real <laughs> yeah. quick. You said it was slash Jirachi TFT. Yep. That is uh, not my <laughs> <deal>, actually. <laughs> um, let's let's focus up. Let's talk about 
a little bit more about what's going on in the in the Twitter sphere at the moment. Um, and this is something that I think is going to be relevant to you as as a broadcaster and someone that works on official streams. Um, one of Soju's points was that nobody is excited about the TFT format right now. Nobody is very interested in watching the Innovator Cup, the Arcanist Cup, the this, the this cup, the that cup, the this. They only tune in to uh, the major events and that the players themselves really don't like this format either and that any changes that they had mentioned that they were interested in for the event structure were ignored by the higher-ups. Uh, I was wondering what your thoughts are on on the current tournament structure and, and how that maybe relates to, to working on, on broadcast. Well, first things first, I really hate that Soju threw in there the did they even acknowledge our feedback because Nature's and Risa very much listen to us. Um mm. they 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 have some um limitations to work with because they gotta get stuff approved by Riot, but accusing them of not listening to us is very disingenuous because they really do. I do, what I do kind of agree with though, like the Piltover and Zon Cup formats. I mean, I as I get excited to just watch Pro TFT, but for the for the format, yeah, it's it's you have to have some kind of mass format because if you're trying to do some kind of open qualifier, you have to get you have to do something that gets all these people down to like one, basically, yeah. or just some um ideally one lobby which i think is my main my two main complaints from piltover and zon were that there's no winner and i think that that's kind of what kills the excitement for viewers i think it's not having a winner of the tournament like we we look at zon cup and oh goobums appies i copy keen who was the f robin yeah robin robin they four four of them won zon cup <laughs> four winners yeah weird that's that's like a that's a little bit weird and i mean we could declare goobums the true winner because he had the most points but even that's a bit like eh it was defined as like just these lobbies not having one final lobby did kill the hype a little bit yeah um and the other complaint which has been beaten to death at this point is just day one in general and three game sample size mm-hmm um the format being okay we're gonna do these lobbies of eight you play three games we cut the bottom half of each lobby make new lobbies play another three games and points not rolling over anything and that's where the example everyone brings up of ramp kev went one three two four four five and didn't make it yeah he had the second highest average placement in the tourney and didn't even make it past day one because and he bought bot fours one game but it was just a small sample size, so it didn't matter. And that's that situation should never happen. And just TFT as a game, we don't ideally we get a crazy huge sample size, but then you run to the issue of are people really gonna play that many games? You'd need a crazy amount of money for the EV to be remotely worth it to play that much. And I think mm. Mord actually mentioned that too. Like there's a weird there's a balance we have to find between a large sample size and making like the time spent worth it because you can't make 
these players play hundreds of games for like 50 bucks. Yeah. That, yeah. That, no, that's just a no. So I do like, I like the five game lobbies for what it's worth. And I do, um, and I, I like having the, some tournaments where you just have one lobby. I really like that when I was playing in Dawnbringer and Nightbringer Cup. I love that I just got a lobby for the day. I got to actually like do prep for that lobby. I only had to scout seven players rather than 120-something. That's yeah. just <laughs> not possible. Um, but I, got, I got to scout my lobby. I got to come in with a game plan for my lobbies each day. And that's something you don't necessarily get in formats where you shuffle lobbies after every game or every two games. Granted, having that format where you shuffle lobbies, that's a different skill set. I love having those tournaments too. It just it promotes a different skill set of the game. Um, and I've seen some complaints about like, oh, if you low roll lobby, you're fucked. I'm like, well, yes, but also like you, eh, it's that's how it that is how it goes, which is matchups in general. Like you think professional sports, all the people. Like in playoffs and such, teams low roll matchups all the time. Mm. It just is what it is. Yeah, it's like there, there, there are lot, there are lobbies of death. Like at Worlds, um, for like League, there's always a group of death, and you yeah. feel for the fucking yeah. teams in there. But it is what it is. Like, welcome to fucking professional sports. Mm. That that those situations where you just get a bad matchup will sometimes just happen. Um, it would feel it wouldn't feel as bad if we had more tournaments to go off of. Um, when you have just two tournaments that use that format, it's m much easier for those low rolls to feel bad. And I think that's true of TFT in general. Like when there's less, um, there's less things happening, one low roll feels even worse. Mm. Um, but I I think a lot of viewers will just be happy to watch competitive TFT. Like they they love watching like super high level play, and I think for like Innovation Cup, it's only thirty two players. Yeah, it's the same format as mid set, and I was hyped as fuck for mid set. Yeah, exactly. Like that was watch mid set finals was probably some of the most fun I've ever had watching TFT. Like maybe the most fun. Also because I got to watch Kivix just play like a fucking madman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which oh my, I. I got asked in Reddit comments on the Setsuko article, Kivik's player profile next. I'm just thinking, I responded, oh god, that's gonna, <laughs> um, that's gonna be a lot. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack with him. But I had, like, mid-set was so much fun. It was, it wasn't the literal most stacked field it could get, but it was pretty fucking stacked. Mm -hmm. And innovation, innovation, honestly, is probably gonna be more stacked. Because it's um, the f the four people from the final lobby who didn't make it to regionals, which are real all re all four really good players, and then top twenty eight from snapshot. Like if you you look at the top twenty eight from snapshot for Piltover and uh, Zon, that those fields were nuts. It was just every top player you could think of. So that's the field we're looking at. For fucking innovation, how can you not get excited for that? And then regionals, like every everyone gets hyped for regionals. I, those those formats are hype as shit. I think for with the open qualifiers, they need some refining, but they can still be pretty entertaining. Like I had, I had so much fun casting Zonka, but I also 
had a lot of fun when I was off broadcast just watching games. Yeah, so absolutely. It's not it's not that they are just objectively not fun to watch. It's they do need some refining, and they definitely they are those tournaments aren't as satisfying to watch as a viewer compared to um the the more small scale ones that have one winner at the end of it. Hmm. No, I totally agree with you. I think one one of the things that can be um remembered or learned from professional sports in a way is that every week is not the fi- the finals isn't every week in sports or in um card games uh, uh we talk about a lot on this podcast both sol and i come from uh, professional card game backgrounds where the ra- round one of your day is not the final round two of your day is yeah. not the final and of course there is significant variance in going from rounds one to round eight to round nine to the second day of an event to the third day where you're in the finals though there, there will always be a significant amount of variance uh in competitive games and one of the things that makes it so interesting is is how you as a player navigate through that now could of course the tournament format be improved upon absolutely uh one of the things we talk about on here and we had um tycoon come on uh episode two weeks ago who does all of the tournament formats for the oce tft events specifically working on uh the live broadcast for all of those and he talked quite a lot about how um, there is very, very limited scope in players. The longer you make players play TFT, obviously the results will even out over and over. But how do you get players to play nine rounds of TFT for them to feel like they have evened out their bad averages? And and of course, it feels really bad. Let's say you get into a lobby, you get a couple of bad augments you get a couple of bad games maybe um you get contested whatever it might be you go seven five six and you're out all of a sudden it feels really bad it feels like well i didn't get enough chance to show myself and if i played five more games maybe i could have gone one 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 or whatever it may be but at the end of the day as you mentioned uh, playing eight games for fifty, but eight hours for fifty dollars is not a good, not a good time investment. And then you've got to go and win the yeah. event itself to, um, I don't know, double your money or something like that. You know, I I love the duality of TFT players where they're saying, oh, we need we need uh we need more games, we need a bigger sample size, but also everyone I know says that six game sets are draining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Six, and six game sets are draining. So yeah. yeah, you wanna uh, you wanna do a ten game set, really? Yeah, you exactly. you really wanna fucking do? It? I don't want to do that. Yeah, like I know. absolutely not. And I don't want to watch that because I don't want to watch games too much. Six, seven, eight, nine, and ten half the time because it's literally my entire. There goes my entire day. You know, like six is already pushing it. I six is pushing it, but is a good level. I think either five or six, depending on what you want to do, is perfect. I think that's like. That that's the perfect balance of good enough sample size and um not too long, not too draining for a viewer. Um Yeah. So it's ha- keep keeping it at that level. I think I think that's good. I don't think that's the issue with the format. I think I think issues come when it's like three games that like gets shorter or longer. Mm. But but going back you you were talking about like, oh, like not every week is the finals. Yeah, true. Like 
open qual open qualifiers don't have to be as hype as regionals. They shouldn't yeah. be as hype as regionals. Like if everything is that level of hype, it diminishes the the value of that hype in the first place. Like if we're super hyped for everything, regionals comes around, it's not special anymore. Regionals yeah. should be special. Regionals should be hype as fuck. Yeah, because it should be the second premiere event on the calendar, basically. Exactly. It's we're deciding who the best player in the region is for like for that set, quote unquote. Um, and then also who our world's reps are, which is the most hyped tournament of the whole set. Yeah. Because it's worlds. So keep maintaining that level of hype throughout the whole set. Like peep as long as we get people kind of excited for all these tournaments and maybe for like mid set. Okay. We have a little bit more hype involved, still not as much as regionals, but there's still hype. Um, I, I make this comparison. I, I, my brain just made the comparison to trombone actually, because, um, we started rehearsal for, uh, Beethoven nine today. <laughs> um, wow. it's fucking massive symphony, like just staple in the rep for people who don't know classical music, but the trombones play for maybe five minutes total in an hour-long symphony. And a lot of trombonists will complain about that. I used to complain about it, but I think I realized <laughs> recently what we don't play that much because when we do play, we take over. And it's, it's fucking glorious. And it's special when we do play. If we played all the time, it wouldn't be like that. You wouldn't, like, you wouldn't be... We wouldn't be getting fucking hype for when we do play and for like hearing trombones like we have our moments. It's it's the same thing. Like you can't have hype all the time or else the hype itself just doesn't become valuable anymore. Yeah. I was wondering what your um opinions are on the checkmate format. The uh get to a points cap, win one, win the fun, win the lobby, win the event. When, when are you, we've had lots of discussions about this. Um we think that there's a better yeah. way to do it, but we don't know what. <laughs> so, what are you? What are your thoughts? I don't, I, don't, I don't know either. I I think if you are, I well, I don't think it should ever be used for regionals. Um, mm. I'm not watching watching set four regionals when it had the checkmate format. There was still hype. It was just like it was just different, and it killed it for some of the players because it was just oh, who's gonna make the worlds between Raza and Keen, and like. Yeah. Like that, I mean, obviously that's hype on its own, but, or wait, where did I get, did I, or am I mixing, wait, set four, set, did set four regionals have checkmate or am I mixing things up? That set four regionals didn't have checkmate. I'm mix, mixing things no, up. No, no, it was set um, five. It was introduced, right? Or step five. Yeah. Or also like set three, um, like set three regionals also. Um, I'm, I'm. We shouldn't have sent Obo the fucking worlds. I'm <laughs> no flame, no flame. Cottontail got robbed of a world spot, um, because of because of checkmate format. I think if you're you can it, you can use it for some like variety in tournaments. I just I just I don't like it as much personally. I don't know who does. I there are probably are people out there who do. I don't know. Yeah, I think from a broadcasting perspective, when we talked to Tycoon, he said that the way that the the way that he felt that TFT became interesting was when the last the winner of the last lobby was the winner of the event. Yeah, um, that's the. I think that's the logic they use for Worlds too. I think that yeah. that is the one t um tournament that I actually like Checkmate a lot for mm -hmm. for Worlds because then 
Like, it's the most hype moment of the fucking set. Who's gonna win Worlds? Yeah. Like, pretty clear, like, probably the last game of Worlds Finals, someone's, whoever wins the lobby wins the whole tournament. That is hype as shit. And having a set number of games on the format where you know the winner going into the game, like, we knew in set five regionals, like, Robin won the tourney already. He could have... He could have fucking turned off his computer, gone down the street, gone out to celebrate, taken a fat eighth, and still won the tournament. Yeah. There was other hype involved, but having that having that four worlds, no. Like, no way. Yeah. I, I really like the checkmate format specifically for worlds finals. Um, because then and then we get to see like in set four, like Jaywalking's Jaywalking popping off after realizing he won the last game and had won worlds, that was hype. Yeah. That it's it is good for generating hype around the winner of a tournament and i think when we're all inning on the that hype aspect world is kind of all inning on the hype aspect anyway and we did get a little lucky that all three worlds so far the best player won um like double uh double 61 and then jaywalking and Juanmi all fully like they were the best players at worlds um we got a little bit lucky with that. There's there's a world where someone locks out into a first in their last game um, who doesn't deserve to win Worlds. No no names. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to blame that hard. Um, I, I, I think that's the one scenario that Checkmate is good. I, any other usage of it? If you want to mix things up, sure. I just don't like it that much. Because it's just... It, do you, it de-emphasizes just consistent, but not, like, high-capped outplay. Yeah. It also yeah. leaves you open to a three-day, nine-round tournament being over in two hours on the final day. Yeah. I think that that's... Um... I, I think lobbies... Yes, that's theoretically possible, but also all the lobbies we've seen have just been close enough that that hasn't happened yet mm. um I, so, there was there was one challenger series for na and set four that i think was over in four games but yeah. solace just shits solace just <laughs> shit stomped it mm. i think it was solace which fucking solace yeah of course he did um and we had a very similar situation here in oce i mean chunga he on the final day he went one one six seven six or seven one and he just won yeah chunga won well, in that, four I, games i'm pretty sure yeah yeah it's but even even when the low end is four games that's not bad that's not like too bad. the the what's the literal low four games is the is the bare minimum right yes not, because even if you went one 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 you would still yeah you, you wouldn't have you won do it in three after yeah, yeah. Like four games being like the worst worst case for like being too short, that it's fine. It they could be significantly worse. If the day was over in two games, like fuck that. <laughs> and we even over in fucking like league, the super hype best of fives can just be over in three half an hour games. Yeah, exactly. That's that's just that kind of is just an inherent issue with sports. Yeah. Sometimes it, games, it just games sometimes, sometimes it's just over. Just, Sometimes someone just dominates so hard that it's just, it, it's just over before you can even blink. 
Yeah. But that's part that that is part of it. It's it's also kind of cool sometimes to watch someone just or some team or some person in TFT just completely wipe the board with everyone. Yeah. The watching someone dominate is kind of fucking fun. Watching Robin go one 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 lag one one at regionals was insane. Was yeah. like, wow. He's like yes, he's kind of high rolling, but he is he's playing out of his fucking mind. So, yeah, that makes it very special. I don't even, I don't think it's that much of an issue. I'm gonna mm. be honest. From a viewing perspective, totally agree. But at the same time, I think you, I can understand why people are, why competitors specifically want more games. They want more games because they want their variants to balance out. There's no, the money is not reflective, however, of that ability. And I want to talk to you about the comment Soju said that TFT receives one-tenth the funding of things like LOR compared to having 10 times more viewer numbers. Uh, what's your opinion on that? I don't know too much about LOR. It's one of the few card games that Me I've never either. played in my entire life. I've played it, I played it like twice. Yeah. And I and I had a look. I like looked at the TFT compared to LOR, and I mean, there was probably eight times more people watching TFT at the time, um, even with uh, Soju, Milk, Robin, Karam, um, Kiyun, all offline. So yeah. from, a, from a, oh my god, people love TFT, and there are way more people into TFT than LOR, sure. Does it matter to Riot? I mean, maybe. We don't we don't really know. Like I don't even know if I want to give an answer to yeah. this question because I just don't know enough. Yeah. I I don't work at Riot. I just show up and say some words and then take my paycheck and go home. And one of the things that Mort emphasized as well on his uh sort of hour-long response to Soju was that Mort doesn't even have any control over the formats the competitive yeah. format of the game and that's the lead designer of of the event so he, he's the he's the lead designer of the game itself and then balances it that's a completely different thing from like managing the competitive side there's yeah. i don't even and not, honestly i don't even know who at riot manages the competitive competitive side of tft because i know who does it at giant slayer for na anyway mm -hmm. um and over here i know like oh tycoon and um swift 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 am swifty? i swifty yeah okay i got that name right i know i know these people but they're not the rioters i yeah. have no fucking idea who's in charge of riot <laughs> exactly and really nobody does to be honest and yeah. that's um that's one of the things because you know, I, I guess that one of the frustrations you would have if you were a pro player was where is where is the person in charge of all of this and why don't they tell us what the format is going to be for the future? I can see, I can see that being an, un an understandable an understandable criticism, but we don't really know anything about it. You know, we don't know anything about how Riot works, about why why tft sponsorships or events have this x prize pool um and yeah. so on and so forth i mean you know we can only ever speculate until it becomes obvious to us 
I I know we're never gonna have as much money as League or Valorant. I wish we had some more. Other than that, I don't know. I don't control this shit. Yeah, exactly. None of us do. And I, I guess the only thing we should say is like we want more money in TFT because we love we love the game. We love working with the game. We love participating, talking about, engaging in the game. So why you know there probably should be more money in tft where the fuck's it gonna come from no idea absolutely no idea um I, i'd love to sort of finish off with discussing a little bit about what mort had to say about all of this um mort said that i guess one of his major points was that i guess right now the game is balanced very quickly and that they're always up to changing uh, changing things quickly when it's obvious that there are issues um i was wondering sort of how you you feel about the patch cycle of tft every two weeks on a wednesday compared to and then you know if there's something broken we get a little hot fix or a b patch every other week maybe every month or something like that do you think that's an enough for a game like tft i i think it's fine i i feel i feel i don't know if it would be beneficial to go to like three weeks instead because there's been there have been patches where oh we think we figured out the patch and then a week and a half in, someone finds like keepers in set four, and all of a sudden, oh, we like the meta shifting. Um, that I think that's the one thing about these like sh short patch cycles. Like metas can't really take time to develop on their own. But also, we've seen during like the month long cycles that like the metas don't don't really develop too much on their own. Like even on. I think on cat patch and like set six, I think it was three weeks. And even even over that patch, like cat started out as super fucking dominant, and oh like Raiditz and the Church of Church of Meow or whatever <laughs> the fuck. Um, but it's even even in that patch, like cat started falling off by the end of it because people had kind of had, had kind of adapted. Um, so even like even a week extra on each patch just to give that little extra time of adaptation might feel good. I don't know. Hmm. Two that in that range though, like the two to three weeks. Um, big fan of. I'm not not the biggest fan of when we introduce B patches into that, and it's every every week because there's a lot of meta whiplash at the beginning of sets. Though, like I'm I, you kind of have to do it because there's so much. There's so much egregious shit this last patch. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's be honest. If they don't fix that for a week, they're... Uh, what are they doing? Um, hmm. So, for stuff like that, um, like, really, like, okay, we literally have to address this. Um, but for some things that got B-patched, I can't even think of stuff off the top of my head, but I just look at it and thinking, okay, did this need to be B-patched? I don't know. Um... Like some sometimes just letting the meta develop on its own might be the better way to go if something's like not too broken. And I think they are being a little they have been a little cautious about when they be patched. They're not like, oh, this thing's good, be patched. Bye. It's when things are like actual they're egregious. Um that they'll be willing to be patched. 
I do I do like when they like when they don't be patch something and there's nothing like Renata right now that needs <laughs> to get fucking like get her kneecaps cut off <laughs> and she'll still be good. Yeah. Um cut to the knees. But if there's not something like that, don't fuck just don't be patch. Think like having something be good and then like letting players adapt. Like and this is something that gets memed on a lot because Mort said it. And we're like, okay, how do you adapt to War Week? Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> like, there's that kind. Some sometimes, um, like there, there's no adapting. You have, you have, you have to gut them. But with some overpowered champions, like you, just, you gotta just let it adapt. That's that's fine. I and I think they've been doing a pretty good job with when they pull the trigger on B patches. Um, and as is the cycle. The patch cycle, it feels, it feels fine. It's, it's, it's one of those things where like maybe they could go to three weeks. I don't know. There's it, probably issues that come with that. I don't know how it would feel because we don't really have that on a regular basis. Um, but as is, it's like being on the low end of the range. Two feels like a good sweet spot, a, a decent sweet spot, even if maybe a little short for, um, letting allowing things to settle. But also like keep keeping things fresh and making sure things that get balanced do get balanced. I think yeah. that need to get balanced do get balanced. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, we sort of talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, what are your sort of thoughts on the let's call them four fun patches? They're sort of the last few patches of sets where they add hundreds of things in. They you know. Prismat, you know, whatever it might be, uh, triple lanterns every game, uh, Big Bang Galaxy every game. Um, what was uh, like r double radiant items, <laughs> things like that. Like, what are you, what are your thoughts on those kind of things? They're aimed, of course, we should say they are aimed at the casual player. They are not aimed at competitive. Should they just be like completely ignored for the competitive aspect of the game? Like, don't put them anywhere near. I would argue that you don't put those into ranked. Mm -hmm. You keep them in normal queues, um, or you, you have like a separate. You have like a separate, like a, a regular normal queue and then a separate normal queue, because there are some people who don't want to even touch that shit. I am one of them. There are also <laughs> there are also people who like are still trying to hit ranked goals, um, and. Yes, the game goes through a bunch of change and a bunch of whiplash. Um, but that that's a little too much. Like, triple lanterns change the game so much at the end of yeah. set four that you you were not playing the same game anymore. Um, and, like, I'm... Oh, I want to go climb and hit rank one? Not happening anymore. It's... The, the game's just too different. And... T testing that level of ability to adapt is it's a little much honestly set five i feel like was actually it was not that bad i thought it was going to be way worse than it actually was um but the double raging items actually didn't feel that bad it didn't even feel like a four fun change it just felt like oh that's not a bad change at all um set four i think was pretty it, it actually it actually worked it was like oh we're doing this four fun change and then wasn't actually it wasn't four fun at all it was like okay decent change this is just it feels like a regular patch that maybe just shook things up a lot yeah. um i just i take issue when when the game like fundamentally changes like what you're playing and how you're playing around it 
That changes every patch. That's fine. It's when you're throwing in, like, triple lanterns that just fundamentally change how you play the game because you're introducing so like so much gold like so much so much bullshit in let's yeah. <laughs> like i'll just yeah. call it that like there's some level of bullshit that does just change the game on a fundamental level and changing it on a fundamental level for those two weeks just to get like have it be for fun when players are still like trying to hit ranked goals like whether you're like in diamond or you're trying to hit masters, you're still trying to do that. And when we have such a short rank cycle already, like we only get three months at our, what rank we want. Losing two weeks of that, okay, now it's a two and a half month cycle. League gets a full year. We like once you once once you chop off that last patch, it's you're you're shortening the time people. You're shortening an already short time people have to reach ranked goals because if you're playing ranked, for the most part, you have those you have those goals, um, and w whatever you're trying to hit, like me, fucking, my goal is to just get past rank four because I've gotten I've hit rank four like six times now, and I'm getting <laughs> fucking sick of it. <laughs> um, like actually, I've. Uh, between NA and OCE, like my peak on OCE when I took my vacation was rank four. <laughs> mm. So it's rank <laughs> three and above. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to just hit rank three. I have that ranked goal. A lot of other people have that, and not not ha having just two weeks of ranked that changed the game so much. When people were trying to hit those goals, even that on its own, I would. I I have a laundry list of why I hated set fours change. I'm gonna leave it at that, but like what what I've what I've given so far, but even just for fucking with people's ranked ranked goals, that yeah. might be reason enough to even say like, okay, let's let's if we want to introduce these four fun changes, let's put it somewhere else so then like people can opt into it. Yeah, and I I think I do think that I agree with you because at the end of the day. The last patch, the last patch cycle is two full weeks. It's not like you can just not play for two weeks if you're maintaining a high rank. You do actually need to play decay games to maintain yeah, you have, you position. Yeah, you have to play at least like five games yeah. on on four fun patch. So you yeah. know, I mean, some bad luck, some four funness happening, etc. I mean, you can you can end up down three or four hundred LP if things don't go your way. Really? If your name is Jose and you lose a hundred for a seventh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I feel like probably, I mean, we can speculate, but I would suggest that it'll probably be like fifty percent triple prismatics or something this coming time around. Uh, you know, I, you know, we already have the one percent for fun. Yeah, <laughs> every single game. Yeah, and it's so it's going to be fifty percent but... for fun every single game. Uh, it's time I, that we I move on to the, the questions as well. No, I don't want to think about it either. It's too far in the future. Uh, we're going to move on to questions now. We have some great questions from the chat. We had some questions that came in before the episode as well. Um, guys, don't forget, you can uh, send a question to me before the episode. Uh, there's a much more chance that we will get to it uh, if you do so. But also, we take questions live in the chat. And we got a couple from Murray, who is very interested to hear your thoughts on a couple of these things, Jirachi. And that was... Uh, shout out to Murray. Murray's, to been, Murray. Murray's been wanting a shout out for forever. Shout out to Murray. Murray's been very interested in the, the shout out since the episode began. So there you go, Murray. You got exactly what you wanted. Um, 
Mario's question was, do you think that uh, they should let competitors stream worlds on their own? I don't, I don't know if they necessarily like, if, if it's that, oh, they ha they, they should allow the streamers to stream on their own. I, I do, I'll, I'll rephrase it a little. I think what needs to happen is there has to be a way that you can watch the player you want, whether that's let, letting them stream their perspective to Twitch or like a, like pro, a pro view type thing, I think is what yeah. it's called for LCS. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember that. Um, and or something in, in CSGO, you could go during like the f major finals, you could just go into the game, have, have the caster's audio in your ear, but you're in control of the cam and you can pick exactly who you want to see um, and like what angles you want to watch. Having, having the option to, to do that, I think is actually going to be vital for the success of TFT Esports because part of, I think the roadblock of what's making it get huge is that there's eight players to follow. If you're just watching a main broadcast, like you're usually you're there because you have a player or some, some number of players you're rooting for. Like, I mean, me, I probably have more players I'm rooting for than the average person. Cause like, Oh, Happy's Asa and Ramkev are on game and, and Ramblin. I'm rooting for all four of them. Um, but a lot of people are like, Oh, I just want to watch Soju. If, yeah. if, if let's say Soju makes it to worlds. He can't stream. Anyone who wants to show up and watch Soju, they're just going to be like, I, I, I want to watch Soju, but I literally cannot. People want to watch, and then they're going to dip. People want to watch their favorite players for a reason. It's the reason that Soju has 20k while the main broadcast has like 2k. Because people just want to watch Soju. Mm. And if you're, if you're going to restrict players from streaming their perspective to Twitch, you still have to make them available in some way. Um, like, and even personally, watching set four worlds with the OCE guys in call, and we were all just like, where's Raza? Like, we want to watch Raza. Um, and we just have to wait until he came on, and we're like, oh, like, Raza's on a win streak. What's his board? Guess we'll never find out. Um, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. It's, you, uh, we'll see you him have... at 3-2, or, I don't know, maybe 4-1, or, or something maybe like never. That. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There were some games I don't think we straight, we straight up never saw him. Yeah. So you have to give us access to those perspectives in some way. I do, th I do think ProView is a good way to do it, though, because then there has to be some way that you can give ProView access and have the, that um, players watching ProView to go into the numbers for, like, main broadcast. And then that makes it a little easier for Riot to be like, oh, this is how many people are watching this tournament. Like, hmm. oh, like... 10 10k people now like not a huge number but we can say like 10k people are watching this tournament between main broadcast and proview that uh, is that 100 how it works maybe not in my mind though it's just having that one number just makes things significantly easier to like pre present to like what internally and maybe even to sponsors yeah, agreed. And I think uh, Murray sort of, he also said as well, like, we have three lobbies at Worlds and we only ever get to see one, you know. Yep. Um, there, we should exactly. be able to see all three lobbies at, at least, really. There should be you, three. You, you, should be, you should be able to watch every player. Even if you're not yeah. there to just watch a player. If I'm if I'm not casting Worlds, I there's no shot I cast at six Worlds. Like, dear God, no. I don't even think I'm going to cast at seven. Um, 
Oh, we'll set, set seven. We'll 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 go for set seven. Let's we'll start the I, propaganda I would, right now. You know, I would not be surprised if I got invited to cast set seven, but I zero percent expect it. My goal is to cast set eight worlds. Okay. Well, we're starting. We're starting the propaganda early. From now on, this podcast is a Jirachi for set sure. seven worlds podcast. Fuck it. And I, if somehow out of the fucking blue they invite me for set six worlds, I mean, I I zero percent expect that. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but but we will we will have manifested that destiny here. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, if if I'm just watching worlds to just get like just watch the players and get a read on players if i don't have access to everyone's pov i can't analyze them from yeah. a like a player analysis perspective i can't analyze someone if i can't watch their full game i especially yeah. can't analyze someone if they're not even in the game they're showing like that mm -hmm. i don't have access to that game as a whole so yes very yeah. that's a great that's that, a great point it's a big not having not having access to every player POV is a huge barrier for esports, and especially for like main broadcast. Um, mm. It's also why I was kind of lobbying on Twitter a little bit a couple weeks ago. Like, hey, even if you're just there to watch Soju, open the main broadcast and listen. Um, like, we have things to say. Yeah. And it, 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 um, if if Soju's not in the game, that's on main broadcast. Yeah, sure, you can just mute it. It's fine. But like, if Soju's in game, sometimes the casters will get around to talking about Soju, and it's good information to listen to. Wild concept. We have good things to say. We know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that's not even like me tooting my own horn. Like, well, it is a little. I mostly know what I'm talking about. <laughs> mostly. Um, but guys like Frodan and Bryce and Admirable, they know so fucking much about this game. When they say things, it's it's correct, and they have a lot of things to say. Give at least give us a listen, even if you don't want to watch the broadcast because you want to watch um, a specific player play. Yeah, I I, that, I um we actually talked about that on our podcast a couple of weeks ago when we had um Tycoon on about the ways to have people's invest, like to up people's investment in the main broadcast. And I think uh, he sort of spoke about from the, the perspective of a, of a broadcaster, just how much work goes into those casts to make them professional and how much work every, um, every person puts in. Of course, I mean, yep. from yourself, from Doa to Frodan to Admirable to Crowen to, is it Necra? Is that, that's her name? Necra. Ne yeah, yeah, Necra. Um, you know, and that's not even mentioning everybody from every server and every event. Um, the, they're all brilliant and they all put a lot of work in and that, that is um, something that should really be respected and, and, and nurtured because we want the broadcast to keep getting bigger. As they as they grow, as TFT grows, the broadcasts will grow, and all of a sudden, you know, if Soju has forty k viewers, then the broadcast could have 10, 15, 20, You know, it's it's one of those things. I I think that well, they need to grow in 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 tandem, really. Yeah. Uh, we had and a side side note from the chat. Yeah, um, Murray, like chat, bringing up like Sleppy and Jose. Also, sometimes like having those th those kinds of people on like sometimes you come to main broadcast just because a specific caster is on I actually i've had 
more than a few people say they watch main broadcast for NA now because I'm on. Oh, that's great. Which is wild to me. <laughs> like, you're you're coming here for for me? For 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 little Oh my god. <laughs> um which I yeah, that, there you go. Yeah, and you know, that that's brilliant. And I I think that um you know your your tweet was your tweet is absolutely correct if you're out there if you are interested in tft if you love tft and you love tft players i mean you know if you've got a good computer you can watch both you can have one on at one time you can turn it on you've got two monitors a lot of people put it on their television i know when the tft tournaments come around i like to step away from my computer be in the living room see it on the big tv that kind of thing so I proview you're hundred percent right about. Let's um, let's keep going with these with these questions. Uh, we had a couple. Um, so very briefly, I want to touch on this because it's uh, it's literally going on as we speak. The patch B patch has just gone live. But a question that we got was, what do you think about the patch notes? Do they address everyone's major concerns? Um, I will say the Boy. nerfing of Silco is very good before I sort of pass it off yeah. to you. I, necessary. I think above everything else, the nerf to six Hextech and the nerf to Silco, very important. I don't think there was a bad change in there. I think, and more talked about, their 12.5 is going to be massive. 12.4b, as far as B patches go, is really fucking big for a B patch. Um, there's stuff like mutants not getting touched. Um, like, mutants starting to catch on. If people are starting to realize mutants mid-game is so good. Like, Malzahar not getting touched. But that, that's stuff that's... I don't, I don't think mutant is lined up to get touched right now in 12.5, but Malzahar is. Malzahar is insane mid-game right now. That's just something that couldn't make it into the B patch because they decided there were other things that were higher priority. Um, I like a lot of the preemptive changes. Like, Aurelia isn't dominating this patch, but when you nerf Renata and Sivir, she's going to dominate after if you don't touch her. I like... they. There's not a, there's not a single bad change. They hit most of what they needed to for B patch, and it's pretty clear that 12 point with 12.5 coming, they're going to hit the rest of what they need to. Yeah. It's mostly just they hit the most they hit the the most egregious shit right now. Um plus plus some extra stuff and they kind of had to pick and choose what that extra stuff was. Hmm. Yeah, I think they've done a good job. I think mutant mutant and innovators are probably going to be dominant like I'm not in the meta prediction business. Um but the the meta defining changes that they didn't make at the moment were hardcore nerfs to to innovator to mutant so we'll see yeah. um and, and they did, they did nerf bear though so yeah which bear bear aurelia is insane yeah and we talked about this actually before the episode went live that the the nerfs to aurelia are preemptive but necessary because she was very yeah. much picking up steam in the last sort of 48 hours she she was already really good, and there's a, there's a good number of builds you can do with her. You can do like um five five inno six scrap four yeah. striker isn't quite as good, but you can do it. Three socialite, it's a three socialite version. Yeah, her three socialite and whatever. She is a pretty fucking flexible carry, which is cool. Like 
Yeah. Um, her items are her items are a little bit more restrictive, but the board around her is super flex. So yeah, and that that combined with she's just a good carry. You nerf other stuff. She needed the nerf too, and it's not even that bad of a nerf. It's just a mm. preemptive touch, which I big fan, very big fan of the B patch. Yeah. Um. So we got another question directed at you, uh, Jirachi. Your caster pivot has been going very well showing up on multiple tournament streams to bring your perspective as a high elo player. Uh, what's been the most enjoyable thing about casting for you? Ooh. Honestly, I think it's... I genuinely think it's the people I work with. I think the the people I've met through casting, um, they're, they're amazing. Like, I... Even extending that, like, to meeting up... It, IRL too. I was out in LA back in October and Frodan Frodan was like, hey, let's meet up. Um and I wasn't full on in my caster pivot at the time, but I was already angling at that point. He knew that and we had already been kind of talking about that stuff. And so we met up and we talked about casting stuff. And same Necro's the other person I met up with, because she also lives in Philly, where I am right now, so we've hung out a couple times. That wouldn't have happened if I hadn't... I'm, it might, maybe, if I hadn't done this pivot, but especially because I did this, did the caster pivot, and we are very much in the same world now. Like, I, when I was hanging out with Necro, we were talking about how to improve broadcasts, <laughs> like, over lunch, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen. That, that kind of interaction doesn't happen if I'm a player and she's a host. We're just kind of hanging out, but um, the... They're amazing people, and the conversations I have with them, not just about casting, but about the game. Like, talking about the game between casters is a bit of... It's a little bit of a different dynamic. And get, getting to just hang out and call with, like, Bryce and Frodan and fucking... Doa, I want to... I want to cast with Doa so badly. I'm just, I'm just waiting until I'm on the desk directly with him. Um, we were on the same broadcast for Zon, but we were in different casting pairs. Because I've been listening to Doa cast since like fucking high school. Because <laughs> I I was super I got into league in 2014, yeah. and he was casting OGN at the time. I lit like I, I listened to him cast when I was growing, like no, well, not like growing up, but like as a young but, person. like before, like as a young as a younger person, like Doa's voice was in my ear. Getting to even talk to him for a team fight talk show was already surreal. And now yeah. that there's, like, getting to cast with him would blow my mind. <laughs> yeah, imagine how so... we felt when, uh, I mean, I when he responded to my email saying he was interested in um, in coming on the podcast, I think I maybe, I could have broken my yep. computer, honestly, I think. He's a, you know? <laughs> he's a legend. Just getting to talk to a legend like that is already insane. Getting to cast with a casting legend. Yeah. Like, which I've already done with Frodan. Mm -hmm. like even and even, even the fact i casted with frodan already blows my mind it blows my mind in a different way because i never like was into hearthstone so i just know of that he was a hearthstone casting legend though uh i know from personal experience as a casting <laughs> legend so him especially yeah. hey, giant 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 slayer listens to this um please pair me with doa please <laughs> That's all I ask. Hello, Giants. I will Giant retire Slayer. if you want me. If you ask me to retire immediately, I will. I just <laughs> want that one request. 
Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's great to, it's great to hear that you've had so many, um, like moment already. And I mean, it's only, it's only been a very short pivot one sets worth, you know, uh, eight weeks, nine weeks worth. And, and it's really brilliant to hear that it's, it's already been so successful. It's, it's already been successful. A lot of people are excited for me. I'm excited for myself because I know, um, like it can, it can only go up and I know I have a lot of work I still need to put in. Like my casting is not perfect at all. It's for me being so inexperienced. It's in, it's, it's in a pretty insane spot. Um, but there, there's definitely still room for improvement. There's, um, ways I can word things. I can be, I can be a lot more concise with some stuff. Um, me at me on podcasts where I just that that goes out the window and I'm just here just I I like rambling and if I have a chance to ramble I will I should not be rambling on broadcast I need to work on that um but stuff like that I know I'm in a good spot right now it's already been a success it can only get more successful it can only get better and that that is really exciting that is very exciting and you know we're um I I will speak for Sol I know he's not here anymore but he was incredibly excited to have you on the podcast. So um, we are rooting for you as well, you know, and I think it's, um, I think there's only great things to come in the future. We've got more questions to get to, uh, just two more. Um, Dirachi, where do you see the tournament format of TFT going in the future? I mean, we sort of discussed this quite a bit. I, I will keep this one short and just sort of ask you um, maybe about, the world's format itself like the like do you want to see it get bigger like do you want more more players in the world's format i think 24 is a perfect number i think i think 24 is a perfect number for any of these like end of set tournaments um i i think for world worlds it's set four worlds was pretty it was ridiculously competitive even considering like eu having talked to eu people they did not send their best reps necessarily because of just how qualification worked out but it was still it was still a very high level tournament and it felt like the people like it felt like you included enough people while having it still be competitive top to bottom um and i think same thing i think a 24 person format for na regionals is going to be perfect mm-hmm. um i think i think it's it's we we're in a good spot with how we do formats. It's really just it's refining things, and also my major gripe about worlds is announcing shit ahead of time, because <laughs> being in the dark about worlds format and we're not even we're like a month a month and a half out is pretty fucking frustrating. I think it's even more frustrating if you're a competitor because you're, um, like you're. You're not 100% sure what you're going for. I th- my biggest gripe with Set 5 Worlds is they didn't announce... They announced the number of players. They didn't announce the format itself until after players had qualified. And then where it was um, like a play-in lobby that the lowest seed from each of the regions had to go into. So you, if you're... That, that changes... N- knowing you want to go for the second seed if you want an easier time at worlds that can change how you play regionals yes and i imagine also like spencer he gets he gets thrown at regionals he's like sick i'm going to worlds format gets announced after and he says 
Are you fucking serious? <laughs> I have to play an extra lobby. You've yeah. got to be fucking kidding me. I did not like. I, I, I had no knowledge this. of this ahead of yeah. time. You, I think you have to, at the very least, you have to announce that kind of format thing before regionals so players know exactly what they're playing for. Yeah. That's my, usually my biggest gripe about tournaments is that players, if a player doesn't know exactly what they're playing for, then it, everything goes out the window. Because that, knowing, knowing what you're playing for, knowing how that you should adjust your gameplay accordingly, that affects a lot of things. If Spencer... If say there's a world where like Spencer has an option to go for second seed at risk of not making worlds, is that a risk he wants to take? I don't know. Is it a risk he can opt to take? Yes. That informs how he plays the game. He did not go in none of the players at and any of the regionals went in with complete information on how their gameplay and what seed they got was going to affect their world status. Hmm. So that's fascinating. Yeah, thank you for your insight on that. I, I, I'm, um, we're we're big proponents here of um allowing the Southeast Asian region to participate in the World Championships. Also, that please, dear God, give SES at least let SEA feed into OCE. That's literally it. That if that if you did that, I would be happy. Yep. Exactly. Totally even agree. if it means even if it means just Jose takes over the region and Australia is represented by Jose fucking uh fucking Filipino man um we're okay sure. with that we're okay honestly yeah. we're okay oh, with oh, yeah. it. <laughs> I there's a single person <laughs> OCE who would hate that because like we love Jose for good fucking reason like yeah. exactly yeah, that man's amazing so yeah that refined stuff and let jose go to worlds brilliant yeah thank you for that i think it's um uh we say it every podcast we will continue to say it every yep. podcast that southeast asia requires representation and, and however they can it would be amazing i want to get on to this final question it's one that um uh, i received anonymously um and i um you are you located and, and i think it's a very interesting and important topic to want to cover I, um i think it's I think it's something that needs to be talked about yeah at every chance possible yeah and um so i i received this anonymously so uh, thank you to this person for for sending the question um as a fellow lgbtqia plus person who loves this game i'm pleased to see you on tournament streams uh, and your joy with the game makes me happy as a queer person uh, i was wondering if you feel the tft scene is a welcoming environment and is there anything that we can do as viewers to help with the comfort i will include that uh, I will include, um, uh, fel I, I won't speak for other streamers, but I will include myself in, in fellow viewers um, for comfortability. Yeah. Um, I, th I think as a whole, TFT has been pretty welcoming. Like, I've been, I've been, I've been out pretty much since the beginning and, like, <laughs> bugging people, like, please, dear God, use my pronouns correctly. Um, there's, there's still there there was a time like every discord server i joined i changed my nickname to jirachi parentheses they them like mm -hmm. just like putting my pronouns in everyone's face immediately and um and it took it took a bit to get there but it was never like actively hostile um for the most like the people that matter have been welcoming it got nasty during zon cup just with twitch chat um 
but like that it's it's twitch chat twitch chat is just a completely uncontrollable hive mind <laughs> um hmm. so what but the people that matter like the streamers the streamers have all been like welcoming and accepting and they te- they they use my pronouns or they fuck up and then correct it like it's at the for the people who are like the who are visible about it like they're like their their faces on the stream like they're the they're ones like actively saying these things for the most part they're welcoming i my one i my, the one person who i was like okay i'm not sure was soju but he but i think i realized he just he he calls everyone a dude and everyone automatically gets he him pronouns like even knowing that he uses he him pronouns for emily in game <laughs> he's very aware that our pronouns are not he him <laughs> like okay i it's it's a whole separate issue of defaulting to he him mm-hmm. but that's that that's kind of a separate issue from you just don't respect my identity and i did i did talk to soju and he's like i'm a dumbass i'm trying um he ha- he has a whole like he ha- he has a mini rant that got turned into a YouTube clip. Uh, it's called like K three Soju struggles to understand pronouns, where you can see he's trying. Hmm. Um, and that's like all I can <laughs> ask for, and that's pretty much what everyone does. Everyone at least tries for Twitch chat. I th- Twitch chat I think is where like the- what the viewers can do to help out with comfort can come in. Um. Like, if shit comes up in Twitch chat, bury that shit and make sure, like, they know that shit does not fly. Like, there... It's... I keep forgetting who, um... What the name is of the person I came... Like, I came up with this. But the, the like, tolerance paradox, um... Or, like, a, a tolerant society has to be intolerant of intolerance. Yes. That's yeah. a great point. Uh, it's like, yes, we want to be like nice and welcoming in Twitch chat. We want to be a nice, welcoming community. But in order to be a welcoming community, you have to get the fucking transphobes out and make sure they know yeah. they're not welcome. Because that shit does not fucking fly. So, like, being vocal in Twitch chat when that shit pops up. Like, and even in Soju chat when there was, there was some, some of the transphobia got pretty bad from what I've heard. I ha- did not see the worst of it because it got deleted because I was watching the VOD. Um, but it went into emo only mode at one point because it got that bad. Wow. Um, but there was a lot of people like pushing back, and I'm like, that's that's what I want. That's that that's why I ask for more than anything. Like just the pushback. Um, making making sure that transphobes know that 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 kind of hate doesn't is not welcome here. None of the shit flies. You're not welcome. That that's what makes me feel more welcome and what makes other um queer gay and trans people feel welcome that they they see the pushback they know there's people actively supporting them because i don't just i don't just show up and automatically assume that i'm i'm accepted i know i'm accepted when i see active support and i feel like um active active positive affirmation not just like oh you exist sure we're not going to do anything about it. Like if, if people actively choose to not do anything about that, I actually feel less welcome. 
because it's all sending a signal that we're okay with this person hating you. Mm, yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. Um, Long story short, it's it's been good. <laughs> it's it's been good. good. Just get the tra do your best to get the transphobes out. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if I mean, I I, I won't add anything because it's not as a cis person i believe i think that your voice on the matter and the reason that we got this question was very important so i'll leave it there and i just want to say thank you for yeah. for sharing and I'm, I'm very pleased that um so far there have been mostly mostly positive experiences and i and i hope that that continues yeah the only like real negative experience i've had with a streamer was treebeard and it wasn't directed at me it was just him going on an unhinged spree on Twitter and dropping some homophobic shit. And I'm like, okay, but not even directed at me. So, and he disappeared real quick. So, you know what? That's yeah, it, it's, it's been good so far. And I also like, I'm fully aware at this point, like I am just the queer face of the community. Like, <laughs> and I kind of have been for a while anyway, but even though I'm not like, even like when I was competing, I was never like a huge name, but I was still still somehow the most prominent queer person, which is depressing to me. <laughs> like I, I'm like a fifty viewer Andy on a good day. How am I <laughs> the biggest queer name? That's fucked up. Mm -hmm. Um, but as like now I'm in casting and um, like a, a lot of a lot of people really identify with like me as the queer face and no, not no disrespect to Casanova cuz like we I love Casanova so much but I think I feel like almost that I'm just so fucking vocal about it that a lot, a lot of people have like actively told me like thank you for thank you for being open about this and Ca Casanova's not far behind like not at all um but like especially having like coming from I've been a player I've played this game since set one. I've been in. I've been a face since set four. I've been a name that people generally kind of know. Um, and now I'm, I'm on casts, and I've just been here the whole time. And I'm just, I'm, I'm here actively trying to be the queer face because if I'm out here, it's the same deal as with teaching. If I'm out here being being my best self, like living my best life, being super open about who I am that matters to other queer people and that's well it, it shows them they oh cool there's someone like me who's doing great here and also they're being welcomed oh i'm i must be welcome as well it real it really does matter having having someone and 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 anything having someone like you at a higher level involved um so i I, I am I am just kind of the queer face at this point. I am more than happy to be so. I'm also happy to be a lightning rod. Because <laughs> if I'm... If anyone's going to get the transphobic bullshit, yeah, sure. Let it be a caster who doesn't even look at Twitch chat during the game. <laughs> That's their casting. Like, I... I When I was casting, I think it was day three of Zon Cup, I, I'm, I'm casting the game, yada, yada, yada. We, we go on break, like... Um, hop over to the countdown screen i look over at twitch chat i just see message deleted message deleted message deleted i'm like <laughs> ah so there was some shit 
I I didn't even see it. Cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I sure, throw it at me. It's literally I'm not going to fucking see it. Mm. I I I give a shit, but I also don't. Hmm. Thank you for sharing, Jirachi. I yeah. I really appreciate it, and, and thank you for thank you for being you. I try. I genuinely try. <laughs> Um, guys, that's going to do it for the podcast today. Um, I, I felt that it was really important that we ended on a on a note of, of personal significance, and I, I really hope that you've enjoyed the podcast today. Um, for Soul, who I will say goodbye for, who couldn't be here at the end, uh, thank you very much from him. You can follow him, uh, Soul underscore TFT, on Twitch and Twitter. Uh, and to my guest, Jirachi, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure for this podcast exchange program. Yeah. Oh my god. No, this this was a great time. Like I I I love talking to people. I love meeting new people in the game. So that this was great. No, thank you so much for having me. Seriously. It is uh, our absolute pleasure. Guys, you can stick around for the post show when we reveal who the next week's guest is and um we're actually going to reveal the next 3 4 weeks of guests, which is oh. big big news. Um uh, and uh, every week it just keeps getting more and more amazing. We've been so lucky to talk to people like Jirachi here. That is great for us. It is great for the community, and we hope we will see you then. But for myself, Cutler of the Roll Down podcast, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>